Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about Into the Wild, the 2007 biopic starring Emile Hirsch. It's the story of Christopher McCandless, who in 1990, after graduating college, went off the grid and hiked across the country, eventually making his way to Alaska. The movie is based on the book by John Krakauer, adapted and directed by Sean Penn. At Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter score is 83%. And the critics' consensus reads, with his sturdy cast and confident direction, Sean Penn has turned a complex work of nonfiction like Into the Wild into an accessible and poignant character study. Today's conversation might contain spoilers, so if you want to watch the film before listening, check your streaming services. I was recently able to find it on Netflix. My guest today is Derek Hill, the production designer for the film. Derek, welcome to Below the Line. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So Derek, it looks like from IMDb that your first credits in the art department date back to 1980, and that you're still working today. Tell us a little bit about your career and where Into the Wild fits into the larger picture. You, you know, I started, uh, I, I think I started at the bottom in the industry from the craft service to, I said, well, okay, well, that was one show. And I said, I didn't need to do that anymore. And then uh, I think I worked in the electric department and carried the heavy cable. And I said, I don't think I can prolong my life in that role and worked as a grip and then uh, started in the art department and props and, and did a little bit of that. Then the set dressing and the on-set dresser and the lead man and then eventually moving to set decorator on, on a, a, a number of huge films and I met some great people along the way. And that was one of the first times that I met Sean Penn was when I was a decorator on uh, Indian Runner. I think that was in the mid 80s. And uh, he and I have been friends ever since. I've worked on about four or five projects with him. And uh, then I moved up to art director and then eventually on to production designer. It was like I was being pushed from the bottom and drawn from the top as well. And so were many of those films, in this so your first film you said, was it uh, Indian Runner with Sean Penn? Correct. And then those films in between are, where I, is Into the Wild? of that group of films you did with Sean Penn? Uh, Into the Wild was the last film that I've done with Sean. It's not the last time that he's called me. It's just that you, my schedule, I have, I have a pretty good nucleus of directors and people that I've worked with in the past. And, uh, you know, people call like, when are you next available? And so, uh, you know, I'll try to line it up or try to be available. I know that when I was, uh, did Into the Wild, I've done the uh, crossing guard uh, with Sean. We shot it in LA in like 93, 94. And then uh, 10 years later, I'm working on house at the same, at, and I get a call from Sean and said, hey, look, I got, I got, I finally got the rights to the book. Let's do the movie. And of course, 10 years gone by and it's like, okay, what move, what book? What movie? <laughs> And so he said, no, I got the John Krakauer book, Into the Wild. I said, oh, okay. Uh, maybe I should get it and read it so I can know <laughs> what it is. And uh, he said, sure, no, that's great. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sit and talk about it. You know, I've been, I've been working on it, been writing it, and finally got the approval from the family to do the show. And I've got Emil Hirsch lined up, and then I'm working on the funding. And then I'm up in uh, Marin County. And uh, once I get it together, I'll come down and uh, meet with you. I said, okay, well, that's great. That's fantastic. 
I'm working on uh, the TV series House, and and uh, you know we'll see when it plays out. And so, okay. And then, like I think, eight hours later, he called and said, "Hey, look, I got the money, and I'm on my way down to meet with you." <laughs> that's that's a lot faster than a lot of the turnaround when people are trying to get money. Yeah. So uh, he said, why don't we meet for dinner tomorrow? Uh, I, I think tomorrow night I'll be in and uh, we'll have dinner with Emil Hirsch. And I go, oh, okay. Well, you know, then I IMDB uh, look up Emil Hirsch and try to figure out who he is and try to figure out the connection. And and now I've got to really cram read the, the book as quick as I can. So uh, then we met, we met that evening at a restaurant in, in LA. And, uh, you know, it was a great chat and it's going to be a, a, a real story of fam about family, about coming of age, about finding your way in, in, in this life today. And even, even as you look back today, it's current problems of today existed back in those days, existed in Christopher McCandless's day. And uh, you think about... Uh, Looking back now, I can think about the importance of the film, that it, what it meant, you know, because sometimes when you're doing the films, you're not always giving it, you're not totally engaged in the feeling of it in that sense, because you're, you're worried about, did I get find the right location? Did I make the set look right? Did I get it right? And that kind of stuff. But now looking back and the fact that uh, just uh, not too far long ago, they they removed the, the bus from the uh, Alaskan wilderness because of so many people had gone there and gotten lost and the danger factor and the rescue factor, they just removed the bus for safety. Sorry. And so you know, I had read that they moved the bus, but didn't check the year. That was after the film came out. You think the film oh, yeah, no, encouraged that, people to start going and, and checking out the area. That, and, and, you know, uh, you know, the thing of it was, is it was really meaningful to Sean and uh, so, you know, he basically said, look, I've got some family photos that they gave me. I've been doing some research. I've been down to Slab City. I've been down to these other places. I've driven there. It's really great. You got to get engaged in this. So I said, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll do that. And so, and he said, this is going to be different from any film you've ever worked on. It's going to be a passion of, uh, a, a passion project of us. We're all in this together. We're going to travel together. We're going to spend time together. And then we're just going to make this one great, wonderful movie. And then we're going to have, we're going to shoot. And then we're going to wait the passage of time. He's going to gain weight. He's going to lose weight. He's going to grow his hair, grow his beard. And so it was really a strange deal because I was, I was basically on for probably 11 months of the time, even though I was doing another project at the same time, I've, I go, okay, I'm going to work it in. And the season ended on house. And I said, well, I'm done. I'm doing Sean Penn's movie. And they go, no, that's okay. You can still come back and help develop our show and concept meetings and figure that out and, and do what you're doing. I said, okay. So I, I traveled around and I went, you know, I went to Georgia and looked at where, uh, you know, he went to school. And then, uh, you know, we went to, uh, I went to New Mexico and I went down to Mexico and I went to Arizona and I went to Nebraska and then I went to South Dakota and then we went to Alaska. We went to Alaska with uh, 
this the assistant director david webb uh the uh director of D, uh director of photography uh eric gauthier and uh john kelly the producer and we took snowmobiles 28 miles in to go to the real bus we had to see with the real bus figure out what we're going to do how we're going to create the bus and stuff and you know it was 28 miles in zero degrees snowmobiles uh, that probably might have been the first time i've been on a snowmobile for any <laughs> great length of time okay and so we're just cruising and you know we had a guide that took us there and led us there we we went across frozen rivers and and through the mountains and through the hills and the trees and the path the stampede trail leads you a lot of the way there but when you get to the river there then it's a whole different scenario so we got to the bus and and then Sean said, well, I really need some time by myself in the bus. We said, that, that's great, go, go ahead. And uh, he's probably spent about 30 minutes in there. Uh, like 30 minutes, not like a week. He didn't need a right. week by himself in the bus. Or... Right. Well, <laughs> okay. well, it was cold and he knew that we were there. And then what happened is he'd had provisions from the family that were stuffed in his clothes, notebook, paper, things like that to leave in the bus that Chris always took with him so that when people do get to the bus, they have something to survive on, to live on, to write their mission. Uh, what we did find is the diary of Christopher McCandless, which we, we displayed in the, uh, in the film where he kept track of every day, what he did. And, you know, it was, it was an amazing journey. It was a life changing journey. It was a meaningful journey looking back and you think, wow, this kid was amazing. You know, he was running away from his life and his, his father was at a, a second family that he, that was not really well publicized and known. And uh, so he, he just rejected everything in life and just go, I'm going out on my own. I think one of the lines that I always think back when we did what was a, uh, Vince Vaughn playing uh, the uh, farm, the ranch hand, you know, where they did the wheat foresting. He goes, it's great. You're going to Alaska. Well, what are you going to do when you get to Alaska? I'm just going to Alaska. I'm going to be in Alaska. I've just everything. And it's like you go there and, and, and I'd never been to Alaska. And I think on that film, I probably took 15,000 photos just from my journey, seeing places that I'd never seen, going down roads in Alaska and you just go, wow, look at that. Oh, look at the sun on those mountains. And you just jump out and you take a photograph and then you look back the other way and you, there's a reflection. There's a moose going across the wilderness, the tundra. I mean, it, it was like just life changing. It was almost that at times I wished I would have spent more time thinking about my my journey in Alaska than the journey that I was hired to do. A passion project for Sean Penn. Obviously, he'd been carrying the idea for a while, bringing these folks together and, and working in that way. I want to take a little aside, though, and talk about your relationship as the production designer with locations, because this movie is heavy on locations, you said, the spaces in Alaska, but also across the country uh, following uh, Christopher's uh, journey. What was your relationship with locations on this film? And was it different or the same as it is on a typical film or a typical project? 
No, I, I think that um, I, I engaged a gal that I'd worked with when I met her in, on The Postman in 1997. She was from Arizona, Nancy Haker. And uh, I've always, she and I have worked uh, several times before we got to working with Sean Penn and that she really engages in the story and the thought process, the same, a little the same way a production designer does. And, uh, you know, I had location uh, scouts in, in California. I had them in Georgia and I had them in Alaska. And so, and then in Oregon, we shot in Oregon as well in Washington. So I had probably, I would say probably a dozen different location people along the journey. We, I had probably two key people for the whole show that were like re relating to them because it was such a, it, it wasn't like we were going to places where there was a big infrastructure, like the Detroit wash in, in Arizona. You know, we had to find, it was like, okay, we had to photograph and I'm just driving in Arizona and I'm going, uh, here, here comes a wash. And then you go, well, he wouldn't have, he would have gotten off the trail. And then, you know, in the movie, we had his car that was up, up the dry Creek bed until the, till the rains came. And then it wasn't dry anymore. And that was like a journey that, that you, you try to figure out how we can achieve that and still create the same life that we did. And at the same time, you're trying to figure out how can we afford to go to some of the places, not that they were expensive, but that was like the journey. And I think that because it was Sean and his strength in doing the right thing, that most production companies wouldn't let us go to Carson, South Dakota, 180 people, you know, with no infrastructure. So we traveled in a smaller, smaller than normal crew. Many times we, it was uh, uh, say a prop man and uh, Emil and Eric, the DP, the AD and Sean, and we would just drive and we'd find these great places in Alaska and we'd say, jump out, look, look, at, look at the mountain in the background, the sun's perfect, jump here, get on top of the car. You know, this is gonna be a great pan around shot. You know, or, or, you know, I remember one day we stopped along the side of the road and there was a floating ice thing down the creek. Next thing I know, Sean's got the camera and he's riding it down the creek. And I'm just going, okay, all right. So those were the, those were the things that once we kind of found the journey, you know, I had a, a, another production supervisor, Haley Sweet, that was with, a, with me at times. So if I didn't take a location person, she was with me and I would say, go and walk down that road right there. Uh, I'm gonna take a long lens and I'll just videotape you. And, and I think that's the shot. And then I'd go back and put all these things and present them to Sean and put it on a map. And we would say, okay, the next leg of the time, we need this in the summer or the spring or the fall, then we'll make this and we'll go shoot in those locations. So, we went to Alaska like four different times. You know, when we went there, the first time we found the bus and then we go, Sean goes, we're not gonna shoot in this bus. I go, okay. Because so, so a little, I, yeah, a little context for folks, when he goes to Alaska, crosses a river, 
spends a lot of time in this bus that he found as yes. a shelter, a bus that had been abandoned for a very long time. But you went to the actual bus, as we discussed earlier, but you're not filming in the actual bus. Tell us more about right. that. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, we, we uh, found a couple of buses and we cut and pieced them together to create the one bus that we were going to duplicate for our the hero bus. But then we need to find out where we could put the bus. So another snowmobile trip down the riverbanks, trying to find the spot, you know, and, and basically the, the story point was the bus was located not very far from, the, I believe, the Technolika River. I could be wrong on the exact pronunciation of the river, but it was up on a hillside and then down, it dropped down to the river. We pulled up to this spot and there was a bank up there and Sean jumped up off his uh, snowmobile and he runs up, you know, and it's like three feet deep of snow. And they go, we're coming, we're coming. <laughs> and Sean's up at the top and he gets up there and there's two moose right at the top of the mountain where it's flat, flat toe. And he goes, this is it. Chris sent the moose as a message. This is where the bus is gonna be. So then I go, okay, that's great. We'll, we'll figure out how to, you know, how to get it. And, and then it's like, I need it exactly in this spot. You know, so I said, okay, well, you know, I put two stakes in the ground up there so many feet from the riverbank where it drops down and and then we start building the bus and then we go we got to get the bus there how are we going to get the bus there so then we take the highway guardrails and we turn them flat and we make them like sleds okay so then we get a helicopter and we put the helicopter we pick up the bus put it on the sled and then we got a bulldozer to pull the bus in after we get it across the river, okay? But it's frozen, so it's no problem at this point. So we dragged the bus in and then we, it was a, it was a, it was a battle to get exactly where Sean wanted it, but I know Sean's a, a, a very specific on his filmmaking. So I said, no, it can't be at this angle. It has to be this, like this. So we get it in place. Everything's working great. We, we, take helicopter ride to figure out exactly where this is. And Sean and I go and travel and go, okay, that's it. Well, I'll figure it out from here. We set it up, we come up and shoot, you know, kind of a little bit of reverse. We go, you know, his first arrival into Alaska. We find the road where the, we find the real guy that gave him the jacket and stuff. So it's like, I can't believe we found the real guy. But when you go up there, there's not many people. Okay, so, <laughs> so the people who know him are still around. And then the, and then the way that uh, Sean liked it was, is as real as possible. Even if they weren't a real actor, he he's the, this is the guy I want to use. We're going to use this guy. I said that's fine. Well, it's great. We'll make this work, and it'll all be good. And it and it did. He's in the film, and so then we go and we go shoot some other part of the film, and then we come back, and it's like the springtime. And then we go, okay, we can still get in, still kind of frozen over. We come back the third time and it's the summer. Now the river's thawed, flowing. We can't get across the river to get to the bus. Just like he couldn't get across the river to get out. So he was stuck there. Well, now you guys are blocked from your set. Now I have to build a bridge, okay, cross the river. So we could get to the set and everybody could get there because it was still a drive from where we were to the, to the set. So 
from, from where we stayed there. And uh, we shot summer, then we shot the fall again. You know, I want to talk more about the, the actual filming you did there, but I think it's a very interesting marriage between what is really a guerrilla style almost approach to the actual filming, small groups and very intimate and a, a lot of handheld, I believe, but the logistical infrastructure required to create this space was huge and certainly on a different scale than the act, what you're describing as the actual film. And that's an interesting meetup of that, particularly if you say there's issues with budget or, or concerns about that. How, how did that feel to you overall, how it came together? Well, you know, I, I look back, I look back on when we did it, there's a couple of things that always stick into my mind because we work on different shows along the way and everybody goes, well, we're, we're limited on budget and we're doing this and we're all in this together. You know how that, that line you hear a lot. And I'm going, now, be careful, because I know what we're all in this together. Because I did a film with, with this guy who's famous. He's an actor, but he's also a director. And he said, we're all in this film together. And that meant we stayed in the Motor 8 Inn on this highway. We drove cars. He drove. He took his turn driving. We flew Southwest Airlines. He rode in the same seats with us. Uh, you know, we go, we're just going to stop in the uh, chicken place and grab some chicken for our meal. And, and then, so a lot of that, and then that that's really a passionate filmmaker in the sense that we're all in together. I hear that a lot. And then, you know, you're, you're at places and you go, well, I have no problem flying economy, but everybody else is still flying above me is, flying the first class or whatever that's not in this together somewhere we lost that that and and i'm a team player when we're all on the same team and and, and the relationship that you that you grow with on something like that are really amazing because uh we're all sacrificing in the sense i had a art director slash construction coordinator with two guys and a painter. And that's what I did the show with. And then I, I had a decorator and then a, a small swing gang. Cause you know, around the bus we're, we're painting and we're, we planted the tree and put the, the bucket at the top for him to shower and that right, was kind right. of, and then uh, created the stuff inside the van. And of course the whole show as you go along, but those are the main sets. You know, we, we go down into the, uh, Colorado River and the Grand Canyon. Uh, I think there were the, my location uh, person, producer, Sean, the DP, the AD, uh, me, and a uh, water safety guy, and a, and a river guide. We probably went in there 130 miles of the river. We started from the top and floated down. This will be a good spot. There's some great caves that you can crawl up into which, you know, all those places that we did that, Emil did it in the show, uh, cliffs that you could jump off of. And I can't, I don't know, I can't remember in the movie if he jumped off of, you know, a water bank cliff. Uh, There's a lot of the water stuff, right? He jumps off the cliff. There's the the camp where he meets the uh, Danish couple. And there's the rapids themselves, as far as finding a place where they're complaining that how dangerous it is. How did you guys film something like that or find the right spot? Oh, we, found the spot we found the spot to do it. And, uh, 
you know, we, we figured out where we we're going to do it. And it's going to be three days on the river. So there's no coming out. You're live, you're camping, you're living on the river. And then you, till you get to the spot where they pick you out. And then we had a world-class kayaker that looked really like a meal. Okay. So Emil was doing all, all the stuff, you know, and of course, I think then we met the Danish couple and we met someone like that along the way. And it was really unique. And we found a great spot to do those things where it, it was really down in the river. So you go, okay, this place, we're going to, we're going to take over. And it's not like you can say, if someone else happened to be there, you had to like kind of get it, own it, and then protect it. So other campers didn't stop in there. So we did that. And then we got down to the rapids part, you know, and we, we had, I think, water safety guys. We had, uh, you know, guys with cameras in the water and all stuff. And, and it was like, okay, well, you know, the guy, the professional guy goes down and, and all's well, look, look really great. And then Sean says, okay, well, Emil, you know, now I'd like, I'd like for you to try it. And he goes, well, you know, I, I'm not really sure. You know, I thought that, uh, the, the footage that looks great what he did and he got, and sean you know was like well you know that'd be great but i really want to get you doing it and he goes it's not that it's not that difficult and uh, Mule goes well if it's not that difficult why don't you just jump in it and show me <laughs> okay so uh he did and uh, sean flipped over you know? <laughs> and uh you know then he got back up there and got upstream and then it goes like, yeah, wasn't that difficult, was it? <laughs> and then Emil did it, you know? And he did so, do it at the end, wow. Yeah. Because then he had an incentive because Sean didn't. Huh. So those those were those were memorable moments and and uh, things that, you know, you, you, you challenge yourself to uh, go beyond the limit on it. Because everybody's on the water, even though we're in big kayak, Zodiac boats, it's still a dangerous thing in the river. Right. Having done some uh, water shooting myself, even calm things in the water can go sideways quickly if people aren't paying attention or there's an issue or an accident. So yeah. obviously you guys are well-structured and and no issues on this film, despite the, the challenges of the filming you're doing, it sounds like. Right. Well, talking about the locations, I want to continue on that journey. He takes the river all the way down to Mexico. And there's a very brief scene where he's going through... I don't know exactly what it's like the water, like where, like through the, through the dams and such. I, I, they're just short scenes, but again, still a lot of work to try and pull those things together. Yeah, no, we, that was down uh, just, just inside Mexico. Cause it probably was something that we couldn't do in the States, you know? And so we knew we tested it. We were down in the, in the water. We knew the height of the, of how, that one gate was open enough to get him down through it. And, uh, and we had cameras, I think on both sides of that, but those are, those were meaningful. I mean, that's, that's the filmmaker of Sean of a realism. Okay. It, I didn't build it. We didn't have the money to build it. You know, we had to shoot it. Well, and what about when he comes back with the border crossing and such, and he has some interaction with the guards. They talked to him about coming back into the U S how much of that is on location? Are you building sets for that? Are you doing any stage work on this at all? Uh, the only stage work we did was towards the end when, when uh, we, we did a little bit of uh, stuff of the riding in the bus towards the end, you know, when his weight was down and that stuff. 
but that was kind of like in post almost. Mm. But uh, uh, that real border crossing, you know, we went down there and and we crossed into the border into Mexico. Uh, we shot down in El Golfo, uh, all real stuff. And then, you know, we just made our connection of one of those small border crossings coming back. That leads into a sequence where he takes the train up to Los Angeles. And so what's involved in the production design and, and, and work in this space for those train shots on the car, on the tracks, like all of that, again, short scenes, but not something you can just take for granted, I think, to, to, well, to capture the realism that Sean's going for in that. Well, as we all know, trains are, are dangerous, you know, and so I think this was probably before the, the incident in Georgia. We shot that in uh, Parker, Arizona part, uh, the train stuff, and then the whole thing where he jumps on the train and he gets thrown off and that stuff. We, we shot all that pretty much real. I think we controlled the train, you know, in that sense, but it was all real moving train up in Parker and that side of Arizona that we were, they were at that part. No, it's just timing and rehearsal and that stuff, but it wasn't like we had, we had a super amount of time for rehearsal, especially the way we shot it, you know, in as many places as we moved. So Derek, the film is very much about these open nature spaces and what, Christopher finds in them and the, and the return for himself. There's lots and lots of the movie take place outside, but there's a very important sequence, I think, to sort of draw that contrast where you're shooting in Los Angeles, where he's basically homeless for a period of time. You're shooting in a shelter, you're shooting the streets. It's a very important counterpoint to the rest of the movie. Again, not a long sequence of the film overall, but really vital for, I think, the message of the film. Talk to me about designing for those areas? You know, Sean, Sean knew, we, we knew LA pretty good for that. So we used the exterior in LA for those, for those scenes. And I believe the interior of the uh, shelter was in Portland, Oregon, that, that we were in a, in a real shelter. It wasn't as, you know, back then there wasn't as many people in the shelter as there are today. So, uh, but, but being on the streets of L.A. was very important to Sean, shooting all of those scenes down in the, down in the L.A. River and then along those L.A. streets and those back areas was all, you know, pretty much Sean Penn the whole way in that sense. And then just making it feel like, you know, uh, Chris just gave up everything and just wanted to live off the land, didn't need the money, didn't believe in the money and uh, just wanted to live naturally. Another area where you shot, I would say realism and where things actually exist is where there's the trailer camp where a lot of uh, what they call themselves, the tire rovers or the tire nomads and such, they gathered. What is the production design and something like that as far as where, how did you do that? Did you bring all that together? Did you go somewhere where people were? There was a place uh, on the other side of the Salton Sea which I have a place out in California desert there in Palm Springs area. So I'd heard about it. I'd never seen it. It's called Slab City. And uh, then there was a lookout mountain there where, uh, you know, the God Mountain and everything. That's right. The Salvation Mountain, which is an Salvation actual place. Mountain. And you're yeah. filming there. Yeah. Talk to me all about all of that. So, we, so that was, that leads you into that Slab City. So 
we were driving and there's like six of us or five of us and whatever. Emil wasn't with us at the time. I don't believe the first time. And then we just stopped in there. And then we, we just start talking to him. And then, and, and he's telling his story. He goes, telling about God, how he started in Nebraska and he was in a hot air balloon and the hot air balloon just put me down here. And this is where God wanted me to be. And he was just telling these stories and it, he had no idea, had no idea who Sean Penn was. Okay. And so he'd just go and tell the story and walk us around and show us what, what all of his creations and what, what it meant to him. And we took photos and, and then, uh, you know, I, then I went back there again before we shot. Same story. Didn't, didn't remember us, you know, so we go there the third time to shoot. And I said, how do you want to play this? He goes, we're just going in there. Camera's low key, not announcing it. We're just going to listen to him talk, unscripted, natural, take it all in. And that's, and that's the way we played it. And Emil just played it like, that's great. Tell me about the journey and what it means and all the stuff. And, and we just, it was, it was, a, you know, and I've been back twice. I took the daughter and my wife there because they just wanted to see it. It's just, uh, even though he's no longer alive, it still survives on him. You know, it's like, how'd he come up with it? You know, somebody brought me a bucket of paint that was left over and I just put it in the mountain. And then I just had this hay and I just put this and I, I bumped car bumper and I did this and did that. And it's like, it just, he just, it just kept building and building. And he lived at that time, he lived in one of the buses that was out in the front. And, and that, that intrigued Sean, you know, cause it really meant a lot for him to put him in our movie. And then right past that area is called Slab City. And this is like living off the radar. It's an old military base. Anything goes, you could see there was, there was probably, you know, some trailer burnouts from meth labs. Uh, one of the one of the the bad things or the good things we were traveling in two black suburbans. Of course, two black suburbans pulling in a place like that, people scatter. You don't nobody comes out. They don't know if we're the feds. They don't know if we're DEA. They don't know who we are. And um, we talked about how we were going to create the scenes there because it was it was a little bit of territorial area. And I just, we talked and I said, you know, I don't, I don't think we can, I don't think we can occupy this space here. I can, I can create exactly what you want over here. Then we're not really encroaching on anybody's personal property. They can come see what we're doing. They can, they can embrace what we're doing, but we'll just, we're another section that's starting up. And so we created that whole world and the and the stage and all that stuff for all of our scenes there, you know it, it's a uh, if you go by yourself it's probably could feel scary, you know if you go, especially what time of day you're going, because you see people and and you know some people at that point might have recognized Sean you know, but when we came back with the, to do our filming there it was you know we we had security and we had everything we needed to protect us from any of the outsiders. Now, and is this an area where you're bringing in professional background to do some of these larger, I think there's a concert scene and yeah, a few we, other areas we're walking around? Yeah, or? We, we uh, you know, the casting people got around and talked to people that, that live there to let them be a part of it because 
they're really, those people there aren't really working in a sense. They're just living off the radar. So we embraced, every time we went into places, we embraced the, uh, the locals as much as possible. In fact, the, uh, the scene uh, jumping off of that and up in Cape Disappointment up in, on the beach where the hippies lived, Catherine, uh, was it uh, Catherine Keener? That's right. And, and uh, I think it was, uh, it was Brian Durker and we called him Dirk for short. Now he's a great character. So anyway, we, we didn't know who was gonna play the role, okay, for the guy. And you know, Sean, he had, you know, he's got a great repertoire of people that he can pull in, you know? And he goes, no, I just, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. You know, I saw a guy in the hardware store, come take a look, what do you think? I go, I, 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 he didn't feel right. So then he goes, we're gonna use dirt. I said, the, the tour guide on the river? Yeah, we're gonna use him. He's gonna play the role. And I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. He'll be doing, you know, longer hair and, and he could put, he could, you know, pull the role off size wise and everything. And it was so funny talking to him. Cause I said, hey, you know, Sean's gonna, you're gonna be in the movie. I'm gonna be in the movie. Yeah, no, he wants you to play the, the, uh, the hippie lover. And, and then, you know, and then it was funny kidding him. I go, are you, are you married? He goes, <laughs> yeah. I said, your wife's not going to mind you making love to this girl, are you? And he's like, I'm going to have to do what? <laughs> and then, and then it was like, you know, we're getting ready to shoot the scenes. And then it was like, uh, you know, he's, uh, Sean, uh, Dirk's getting a little, a uh, little worried, nervous. Yeah, I said, go, go talk to him. I said, okay. Hey, listen, it's really nothing to do it. You just, you just be yourself. He goes, no, how's he want me to sound? What's he want me to be? He wants you to be dirt. Okay. It's uh, you know, it's a real fascinating and I'd say seamless mix of, as you've described, non-professionals and seasoned actors who really sink into their roles, no matter how small, and really merge together in a tapestry that helps carry this film to to be the, I think, the vision that Sean was talking about. You know, I think that that's what made it, made it, I mean, it's like, you know, like we were driving, okay, and we're like, maybe halfway in the movie, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're driving from Page, Arizona to Las Vegas, and you know, Sean, Sean would say, uh, hey, I put this CD in, put the CD in, you listen to the music and you go, what do you think? I said, that's yeah, pretty good music. Let's go to the next song. All right, go, we'll go to the next song. I said, I didn't know who the band was. You know, it's like, and then he goes, well, I think, I think that's going to be the, we're going to get him to do the soundtrack. And I said, okay. It's Eddie Better. I said, oh, okay. You know, because, you know, you're not really thinking about, you know, because he's a friend of Sean's. So right. you go like, okay, well, that, that'll, that'll be good. And then, and then when the, the film's put together and then you hear the soundtrack and you go, wow, the soundtrack, that's, that's better than the movie. You know, you're listening to the stuff and you just go, man, that's, that's eerie how, how it works. And it, it helps make the movie as well. You know, I want to come back to the magic bus, which is really 
Very interesting. He doesn't chronologically, he doesn't spend that much time in Alaska, but the idea of Alaska is the thread through the entire film. And in the way it's edited together, he goes into Alaska early and we go back and forth as we follow the journey to get there. I think it works really well, but there's a couple of other small scenes that I'm wondering, they caught my attention and your perspective on how they came together. You talked about, for example, building the bridge so crew could get across the river, but there's also a smaller man-made bridge that Emil dances around on the river when he's doing some fishing and such. You had to build that obviously for picture. And I'm curious whether that was a specific challenge above and beyond these others or that it, came together simply let, for let you. Let me think if this is the one in the gorge and he sees the, the, the deer. I think so. I think from the bridge, he sees some uh, yeah. wildlife there as well. It was, it was in Oregon. And we found a great we found a great area to do that stuff, you know that that he's that he's hiking through this stuff, and then we brought the deer in for that stuff. But yeah, those kind of things that you know, Sean was more about let's find what nature gave us rather than creating something that didn't quite look right for the film, you know. And and that that was the challenge of the difference between uh, making sure that we're safe but then also making it look natural. And Emil was was always for that. Let's take the journey through the woods and see what the woods gives us. And, you know, and it was like, we have to shoot this, this, this you found this great gorge. It has to be at like four o'clock. Because the right sun- Right on time. Was, yeah, I mean, I think production people hate this thing, but when these directors of these DPs go, we, have, we can't shoot it, but it's such and such hour. You know, that that's what we did to get some of these great looks. And I know that when we shot in Alaska, when we shot in the summer, it was like, okay, we we go by and we get in the car and we drive out to location. It's like six o'clock in the morning. It's light. You know, let's get let's get the light and let's do it right. And, and the show, we get into it and it's looking great. And we're doing this stuff. And it's like, uh, hey, uh, Okay, we're we're wrapped, and then we're gonna we're going back to the hotel and said, "What well, should we grab a bite to eat and something to drink?" I said, "Well, it's like twelve thirty in the morning, still light outside, okay, because it's summer." And I'm going, "Well, it's six thirty to twelve. That's eighteen eighteen hours. We're we're good, but yeah, let's stop for for a drink, and then we'll go on and we'll continue tomorrow." But Shooting those times in, in Alaska gives you that magic hours, a four-hour magic hour instead of 20 minutes. Shooting those same scenes and, and Alaska at those right times is just was amazing. Now, those scenes with the moose where he kills a moose and he cuts it up and tries to put it on the river. Did you do that in Alaska as well, or was that in this Oregon space where you no, did some other river work? Oh, wow, uh, okay. What we did, what we found out, because, you know, it's like, you got to have a real moose, okay? And you're not going to kill a real moose. So we've what we did was we found out that you contact the highway department in Alaska, and they get notified that a that a moose has been hit or whatever, and then you you can go claim the moose, okay? So then we we got the moose and then we froze him, okay? And so then when we're ready to use him, we the, the good news and bad news is that he was frozen, you know, and it took longer to thaw than we 
anticipated. But, <laughs> but yeah. Again, going for the realism uh, at, at every possible turn when you're working with Sean Penn. I think it's worth noting, uh, Derek, that uh, you and I met through a mutual friend and I asked you what project you wanted to talk about. And this was the project that came up first and uh, you haven't wavered in that at all. Tell me, I think it's obvious through all the things we've talked about, but I want to speak more directly about what it was about working on this film that made it so special. Well, I think one of the things that I try to do is I try to work across every genre that I can so that I've got a broad perspective of working in the business. And through my career, as you see, I've done many different things and a lot of people have nowhere near the range that I have. But because of my relationship with Sean, I know uh, Sean, I've known Sean for, you know, 25 years or whatever. He, he is a, uh, one of the most loyal guys that I've ever worked with and one of the guys that's true to his word. And so when you get into a, uh, into the business of this and people that know you and respect you and treat you with the same respect that they expect, then it's meaningful. The fact that we, it was a challenge to find Chris's journey, the people that we met along the way, the Hal Holbrooks, you know, and then, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, those those scenes that bring you to tears, you know, that some of the stuff that they did. And and then the family, working with his family, we shot in Portland, Oregon, up there for the house and stuff. And the scenes at dinner when that when the family was there and he denouncing his family and he was gone. You know, those are those are very powerful scenes. And then the scene when, you know, his dad breaks down in the street. You know, it's almost like it brings some stuff. It it it, it makes you think: uh, Did I miss something along the way? Did 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 I take the the easy journey instead of the hard journey that he took? And did I miss some learning along the way? I know that growing up, and I did these journeys with my grandparents living in Oklahoma, and and so it really made me think. As Chris was a kid taking this in for the first time. You know, it's like you talked about the, the shaving scene, okay? We're driving from Mount Hood back to uh, Portland and there's one of those crop fields and they're just, the sprinklers are going and Sean goes, that's it, let's get out, get up. We're gonna go shoot this. And then you just go, we're gonna do what? You didn't really question it. And then it's so meaningful, he's up there shaving, he's just happy in the, in the world shaving in the sprinklers because he, he hadn't had a shower and it's just freedom. And, and that, and that is filmmaking that it's inspirational filmmaking that you take that moment that you're, you're always on and you're always ready to get that shot. I mean, I look back in some of the still photos and then I got the AD's got his uh, uh, clipboard and he's blowing like the, like the, like fanning the wind and Sean's got the camera, Eric's got the camera close up and we got a beautiful shot in the background and it looks like a meal's on a windy path and we're on the road shooting. But that's what we did in a lot of the places, especially Alaska, Arizona was great. Finding the river was great. Down in Mexico, El Golfo, finding those spots. I look back at some of those photos and I just, 
I just go, oh boy, I remember that day. I remember that day we would cross the border. Man, it was it was amazing. And then, you know, then, you know, you see Sean and he's seeing all these older Americans going down there to get their prescription. And he just goes, that's shameful. You know, then you go, that's a real person looking at what Americans have to do to survive. You know, it, it's those kind of moments that you sense. And just like him doing the COVID training and, you know, all the testing. That's right. Because nobody could. He could. He could pull it together. And and that's that's the Sean Penn that I know. That's the Sean Penn that I'll go to battle with on any project. And, and I jump at the opportunity when he calls me to do something because we're all in it together, you know, and then you know that he's going to, he's going to let you be a part of it. Yeah. When you reference the COVID training, uh, I was at a, a director's guild uh, zoom where Sean came and talked to us about his efforts in that space to, to really up the training. And when the first line, uh, folks so they weren't tied down by the medical personnel tied down with what's more routine he was he, he built a whole organization around that and uh again uh real contributions in real time to what we're doing yeah. these days but that's what it that's what it's like with me working with him and that that you know projects that i've worked on indian runner with him he had a vision i found a great bar in nebraska i found two great bars and the bar was on the left hand side and and then I said, come take a look. I found this great bars. And he goes, no, it's not it. I saw it. The bars on the right-hand side. That's the first time I worked with I go, the bars <laughs> on the right-hand side. Based upon what? You know what I mean? So then you realize that some directors like look from left to right. Others look from right to left. They have their eyes wide open. They don't miss, they don't, you know, miss anything. They don't miss a, a great opportunity to get a great shot or a great image that will, it's, it's, it makes you appreciate life each day, savor the moment. Well, the atmosphere you guys created on this film, it's very apparent in the movie itself, really comes together. We've really only scratched on the, I think the surface of all the work that went into it. So people, if you have seen the film before, it's worth going to watch again. If you haven't seen it, even if you listen to the podcast first, go check it out. I think uh, I think everything we talked about will, will resonate with you. Derek, thanks so much for coming on and sharing these stories with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I was It was a pleasure to share it with you and everybody else that listens. Listeners, I hope you're enjoying the current season. Your feedback is always welcome. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at belowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And by the way, this is an episode where Derek has promised to share a lot of photos with us. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Thanks again for listening. Be safe out there.